Thank you for listening to Airport Church's podcast. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com. Let's just open up to Jeremiah 29. I'm really big about taking these verses and really giving them the proper context. Um, I hear a lot of people in the church that will take Israel's words, promises, and still them without giving proper respect, I guess you could say. But where does this come from? So Israel is currently in this context here. They are currently in Babylon. They're within the 70 years of Babylonian captivity. They were told, you're going to Babylon because you've been disobedient. They were warned that again and again and again. And they were told, you're going there if you, if you do not honor the covenant. You made the covenant. And if you don't honor the covenant, then here's a list of things that are going to happen. God sent armies to... Um, threaten and different things to Israel. He sent plagues, he sent famines, he sent fires, he sent drought. He did all of these things through periods of time prior to an invasion that came and took them captive. And he did this over long periods of time. And then ultimately he said, I'm sending sending an army that you will not be able to do anything about. This is... This is the way that God works. It is a biblical prescription for any nation. It is the way he works. It is the biblical prescription for a nation that makes covenants with him. Let me say it that way. It is. So then he sends them word. You will be there for 70 years, settle down, enjoy life. (laughs) It's just the way it's going to be. But while you're there, don't forget the God of your fathers. And now he's sending them a word of encouragement. And let's read, starting in verse 4. Let's let's start in verse 3. The letter was sent by the hand of Elasa, the son of Shaphan, and Jemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, here's what the letter said. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters 
that you may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace you will have peace. For thus says the Lord of hosts, that the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams, which you caused to be dreamed. That's very interesting. It's very interesting. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So they were getting false prophecies that they were going to come back before 70 years were up. God said, you're not, you're not getting out of there until 70 years are up. Verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Stop right there. So many times we hear that verse and we really take it out of context because we just have this open-ended this open-ended idea of what that is. But when you put it within the context that they were in Babylon, Babylonian captivity and they weren't getting out of that Babylonian captivity until what God said was completed. Now, I sent an email earlier this week, last week. I don't know if you read it or not. I was trying to make a comparison about being in a vice and press how many of you have ever been in a a man's workshop or maybe a woman's workshop you don't have to be a man or a woman to have a workshop well actually you do have to be a man or a woman to have a workshop I don't know a cat or a dog who has a workshop but you have to be a human to have a workshop but within a workshop one of the staples in many workshops is a press or a vice I have one, and it's not actually bolted down, but it should be a bench work, a bench press or a vice. And you can put a pipe or a piece of metal in that, and you crank it down, and then that, that whatever you're working on is not going to move. It's going to stay put. And then you can cut it, torch it, saw it, whatever you need to do to it. It's not moving. It's stuck. It's there. That's what God was saying right here. You're diviners. You, you've, you've, you have worked on your subconscious so that you have, you've tweaked how you're dreaming. <laughs> That's what they had done. Your prophets are prophesying falsely to you that you're leaving ahead of time. And I'm telling you that it is my will that you're not, you're an oppressed for 70 years. I'm working on you because the preceding 500 years, I told you that you were not honoring my covenant. We had a marriage covenant in the wilderness under Moses. That's what that was where you said that you would be married, betrothed to me, Yeshua, the man in the cloud. 
You did not honor that covenant with me, and now I've got you in a press, a vice, for 70 years, and this time will not lapse until I am finished working on your heart, until I have placed my image on the inside of your hearts. I'm doing a work on the inside of you, and I have viced you down, and you will not move. But see, we like to take this precious verse, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And we like to just run wild with it and think that we can allow him to not be Lord and master over our lives and we can just run around doing whatever we want, however we want, and live our lives to whatever end, thinking that his purposes are coming true in our lives without us being obedient to him. And it does not work that way. Welcome to 2020, where we have 2020 vision. His vision won't come to pass in your life if you don't allow the clamp, the vice, the press to do what it's going to do. You pitch a fit about getting out of the difficult situation that you're in, but the difficult situation doesn't end as long as you're not yielding to the conforming that's supposed to be going on on the inside of your heart. I haven't even gotten to the first set of my notes yet. You can skip the first one. Go to the, go to the second one. Keep moving. Keep going. There you go. Thoughts. The Hebrew word there, it means imagination, invented, means purpose, thought. It means something that's invented. It also means something that's crafted. Now, I like this. This is what God is doing. This is what he's doing with the children of Israel while they're 70 years in captivity. Now, some did not go. Jeremiah's not there. He wrote this prophetic word while he's in Jerusalem with what's left of Jerusalem. He writes this to the children of Israel that are there in Babylonian captivity. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So he knew, listen, he knew that some of them would settle down and dwell there and be totally fine with staying there forever. (laughs) They would become so settled that they didn't want to return. And he knew that some would be settled but have a yearning to come home. And he needed to captivate the minds of both. This word thoughts, invented, means purpose. It's God's thought. It's his purpose. It's it's his craftsmanship that's at work. This is the same word that's used. Go to the next slide. It's used in Exodus 35. To design artistic works, 
to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship. He has filled them with skill to do all manner of work of the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker in blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine linen of the weaver, those who do every work and those who design artistic works. It's the same word that's used there. It's God's workmanship. He works on the inside of us. That's that's his thoughts at work on the inside of man's heart. Listen, God God is the greatest artist. And when we allow that pressured situation that he places us in to do the work when we allow the spirit of the Lord to have his way through whatever situation he has placed us in to have his way when the spirit has his way on the inside of us it produces an artistic crafted work on the inside of us he's conforming us to the image of Jesus But we have to be still. We can't let anyone pull us away from being still. We can't let anyone pull us away from doing what the Spirit of the Lord is telling us to do. Do you hear me? There are so many other voices. There are so many other opinions. There are so many others. There are so many things. There are are other plans. There are other schemes that... That, that, that the enemy will send our way to try to pull us away from where the Lord plants us and wants us to be and do. And it's vital to the purpose, to his thought. His thought. Do you see that? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Do you want what he thinks towards you or do you want what other people think towards you? Do you want the scheme of the enemy or do you want what he thinks toward you we have to get filled with his thought toward us I want what he thinks towards me so you stay planted where he plants you that his thought can be released through your life why do we work so hard to get out of where that situation has gotten us into, you know? Now, now some situations we have to get out of because it's just, it's not healthy, right? Look at Proverbs 19.21. It says, there are many plans in a man's heart Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. That's his thoughts. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. 
It's his thoughts that will stand. They called themselves prophets and diviners. They, listen, they even did what they could to manipulate the dreams of the Jews that were in, in Babylonian captivity. You ever had conversations and then those conversations showed up in your dreams the next night? Yeah. And then you woke up thinking, was that from the Lord? And then you just had to wipe it away because you knew that it was fragments of conversations that you'd had and you knew that that just, that, that wasn't. I have. I, I totally threw those dreams away because I knew that it was subconsciously, it was coming up, it, it was coming up because of stuff that I had talked about. And I discounted it because of that. That's what these people were doing. They planted stuff in these people's minds so that it would come up in their dreams. And then said that this was from the Lord. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. So Jeremiah, who is thousands of miles away, sends a prophetic word and says, no, this, this is the counsel of the Lord. The prophet has already said, he already said years ahead of time that there was a Babylonian captivity coming that would last 70 years. And I'm reaffirming what the prophet has said. You will not leave here until the 70 years are complete. I don't care what your prophets are saying. They're, they're liars. And what the Lord is doing with you there, it's not meant to harm you. Not only is it not meant to harm you, it's meant to give you an expected end. A what? Let's look at that. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future is actually to give you an expected end or literally a cord. This is interesting. Go to the next slide. Keep going. That phrase there is an expected end. To give you an expected, it, it means literally a cord. It's an expectancy, an expectation, a hope to live, or it's a thing that I long for. Now, this is very interesting. It's an expectation. It's literally a cord of hope. Is there another place in the Bible that you can think of where there was a cord? Anywhere? What? Anybody? A three-braided cord. Where else? How about Joshua? Joshua 2, verse 18 and 21. It says this, Unless we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window. It's the same word. The same word in the Hebrew. 
through which you let us down unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home. Verse 21. Then she said, according to your word, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet cord in the window. It was a cord of hope. It was an expectancy that if she did her part, she would let down that scarlet cord and she would be saved. Was she saved? And we know what that scarlet cord represented. It represented the blood. Who is our hope? And what do we put our hope? The blood. So let's go back and look at this verse again. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. He was throwing them a lifeline. You're there for those 70 years. Until those 70 years are complete, you're not leaving, but you're not there without hope. And within that, he was making them remember, remember Rahab. Not only that, but there, hmm, he was also, he was also, the same, the same phrase, the same Jewish word, the same Hebrew word is the same Hebrew word that's used to speak about Ruth. If you go and look up the Hebrew word, it speaks specifically about Ruth and the hope that she had. He was sending them signals. He was signing to them about hope. You have hope. God has not just sent you there and forgotten you. He has sent you there. He's working on you, and he's going to deliver you. He's going to send you the cord of hope that you need to bring you out again. This, this is, so, listen. In the West, we have a tendency to take these passages away from the Jewishness that is there. And when we do, it really strips away the power. It strips away a lot of the meaning when we just have this open-ended, oh, we have a hope in the future. But when you build it back on its original intent, its original context, oh my goodness, it's so meaningful. Now we know that Yeshua, he is the hope of glory. Let's carry this into the new covenant. His image is being formed on the inside of us. Amen? So let's take this over to Romans chapter 5, and let's look at this very quickly. Romans chapter 5. Now, I think this is going to help some of you that are in here.
How many of you have been struggling with trials? Even through this, this Christmas season. Yeah. Listen, until you die, you're going to struggle with trials. Thank Jesus you're not dead. Amen? And if you're breathing today, you have conquered another day of trials. So let's start in verse 1, but I've just highlighted verses 3 through 5. But I want to start in verse 1. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So your access to God by faith is through Jesus. You cannot come to God any other way except by faith through the man Jesus Christ. Please understand that. Let that really seep into your heart. It is by faith through Jesus, meaning you believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the only way to God the Father. That is how you go to God the Father. There is no other way to God the Father except through his only son, Jesus Christ. You cannot go through Muhammad. You cannot go through Hare Krishna. You cannot go through a Hindu religion. You cannot go through any other religious system on the planet. The only way to get to God the Father is through his son, Jesus Christ. All other religions are not the same. I don't care who tells you that. I don't care how they tell you that. It is wrong. It is incorrect. The only way to get to God is through the man, Jesus Christ. That is why there is a war against the man, Jesus Christ, and Christians. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How did he finish it? No man comes to the Father except by me. The most dogmatic statement that Jesus made. And then the most offensive statement he made was, you can't enter the kingdom of God unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. I hit these points because I feel like there are people in here that need to, this to be driven in. Verse 3. I love how Paul says this. And not only that, <laughs> but we also glory in tribulations. Okay. <clears throat> what? We glory in tribulations. I just asked you, how many of you have been going through trials during this, this last? Did you glory in them? Did you really? Hmm. 
did you have a party because you were going through tribulations? <clears throat> and I ain't talking about a pity party. I'm going to read verse 2 in the Passion Translation. Let's back up for just a moment. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that has given us a perfect relationship with God. Wow. Our faith guarantees us permanent access. With God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep on celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. <clears throat> but that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance. That was verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Tribulation produces perseverance. You hear that? Tribulation produces perseverance. Say that. Tribulation produces perseverance. Do you want to be a weak, wimpy person? No. Tribulation produces perseverance. You got to get out and experience life. And in experiencing life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have tests. It's not going to go your way. If it always went your way, then you're not experiencing any tribulation. That means there's going to be conflict. Things aren't going to be easy. If it's easy, then you're not experiencing conflict. And if there's no conflict, that means that you're not growing in endurance. The only way to grow in endurance is for there to be things that are difficult. Hike the trail. Show up in a sweatshirt and there'd be a blizzard. Right? <laughs> you can't plan for everything. You just go and lean on him and he's going to show up and help you. You trust on the Holy Spirit. Listen, Jesus is a person, but his spirit is bigger and greater than his body. Now check this out. His spirit is bigger and greater than his one person body. Why? Because we all are now his body. And his spirit exudes through his entire body. Ha. 
And he lives and dwells inside of his body. Mm. That means he's in each of us. Woo! And he jumps and moves out through all of us. And he's in unsuspecting people that we don't even know. So when we are moving around thinking we didn't come prepared or planned for this, and then all of a sudden we're looking down like, oh, what am I going to do? And somebody says, brother, do you need something? And we're like, oh, my God, my need just got met because the Holy Spirit was there. And, and, and we, we got our need met because the Holy Spirit met our need. Because that's the way it works. But see, even if there wasn't another person there, God is still big enough to meet your need. Because he can send a raven. Huh. He, he can send whatever it is. <laughs> he can send rain. He can send fire. He can stop the rain. He can hold back the clouds. He can stop the day. Come on. We serve a big God. For I know the thoughts that I think toward. Did you hear that? God has thoughts that he thinks towards you. He thinks thoughts towards you. He has purposes. And we carry that word purpose. And you've heard me teach on that. You carry that word purposes into the Greek. And it's the same Hebrew word that is the bread that we eat. It's our day. His purpose is our daily bread. When you get in tune with the spirit of the Lord. And you partake of his purposes you're eating the daily bread is the purpose that that is so powerful and not only that but we also glory in tribulations we got to learn how to appreciate the tribulation because it's working something inside of us. But we look so external at the tribulation. We're, we get so fixated on who's coming at us. And we usually, we, we usually demonize the person instead of looking at the fact that there's a demon that's working and just bind the demon instead of the person. What did Paul say? For we wrestle not against. For we wrestle not against. How many times have you demonized a person? How many times have you been guilty of calling out someone in public, thinking that you were being bold and brassy? And you hurt someone because. You were quick to snuff out a flame that Jesus wouldn't. He wouldn't have damaged that, that wick. 
And that was a person, maybe even a brother or a sister in the Lord, and you thought that you were helping, but you were... Everyone's in a process somewhere. We've got to be tender. And I fear that when we do that, many times we've given a demonic stronghold a face. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers. And we needed to be looking up here at something that was going on and not here at a person who needed love and compassion and mercy. And time. Time! They needed time to heal and to to get through what the Lord was trying to get them through. I'm just being real. Don't interfere with someone's tribulation. I bet Uzzah wished he hadn't interfered with David's tribulation. He reached his hand out to steady the ark. And what happened to him? Sometimes we can reach our hand in to try to help people that are in a vice. God's got them squeezed really tight because he's working on them. And if you touch that, you will get struck. You need the discernment when to speak and when to leave people alone and when to just let it go. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character produces hope. There's that hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Man, some of you have been so disappointed in hope. But see, it's not all hope, because all hope's not the same. When hope is based on Jesus, when hope is based on the Word of God, when hope is based on that being in that place of intimacy with the Father, then it's right. When hope is spirit-led, it doesn't disappoint. When hope is based on being obedient because he's the master and you're the servant, when hope is based on that place of walking in submission to him, it doesn't disappoint. When hope lets go and lets the Lord lead, it doesn't disappoint. It may not turn out the way you intended, but you're still at the place where you can say, God is good. It's that thing that Job says, though he slays me, yet I will worship. I will praise him. That total surrender. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God 
has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Come on, he wants to, he wants you conformed to his image. And what does his image look like? It was an image of submission. Submission to what? Submission to the Father. Yielded to death. He died to his will. He could have called 10,000 angels to pull him off that tree, but he didn't. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He could have stopped it at any time, but he didn't. He was conforming to the image of the Father. And now we're being conformed to the image of the Son. God gave the Son the highest seat. <laughs> The Father and the Son are one. And now the Father wants the Son and us to be one. And the Son wants us to be one with the Father. There's a lot of oneness going on in that prayer in John 17. He wants us to be one with them. He wants us to be like him but it requires us laying down our will and allowing him to conform the image of the son on the inside of us so that we look like him. Bow your heads. Jesus. Let him conform his image in you. Let him conform the image of the sun. I feel like
like he's asking that of you this year, that you make a vow to him this year, that you will go hard after him this year. Maybe that he's asking you to plant yourself here for the duration of this season. To go hard after him in conforming the image of the Son. What does that look like after six months? What's it look like after 12 months? A season of you really going hard after him to conform the image of the Son in you. This message was brought to you by Airport Church in Tallahassee, Florida. We pray you were encouraged by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this message. To find out more information about Airport Church, visit churchattheairport.com.